Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Joe of Word of Prayer Cultural Center in Largo, Maryland. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to our podcast. It is my prayer that you are both blessed and enriched by what you hear. Feel free to share with friends and family, and also feel free to follow us on our social media outlets, Facebook and Instagram. Our social media handle is at Wopsy, W-O-P-C-C. Visit us online at wopsy.church. God bless and happy listening. And so we gather uh, today because there is a word from the Lord. And on last Sunday, I preached a sermon called The Trajectory of a what, y'all? Of a tree. The Trajectory of a Tree. It was an Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday sermon. Uh, It paralleled the tree that was used in the Garden of Eden with the tree used on Calvary. How many of you know that he was hung on a tree? Yeah, yeah. And, and, And it highlighted how by one man sin entered the world, but moreover how by one man righteousness entered the world. While this was the focus, I expressed how hard it was to write that sermon because there were so many ways that I could go with it, Bishop. Uh, So many ways that I could go with the symbolism and the representation of trees in biblical history. I told you that trees are used in the Bible to paint pictures and to symbolize principles and to magnify messages. Uh, And there are many biblical stories centered on or inclusive of trees. And so today is your lucky day. As a matter of fact, tell your neighbor, I'm not lucky, I'm loved, I'm loved. Amen, amen. Minister McReynolds taught us that. We don't believe in luck. So today is your blessed day. How about that? Because today we're going to take a look at one of the stories and one of the ways I wanted to go. Amen. <laughs> Y'all all right with journeying with me this morning? Hallelujah. And so, today, I want you to turn to Luke, the 19th chapter. We're going to look at a few verses here. Actually, verses 1 through verse number 10. And I'm going to look in the King James Version first. That's Luke 19, verses 1 through 10 in the King James Version. All right. And it reads like this. It says, and Jesus entered and passed through where? Jericho. Amen. It's not talking about up the street. It's, it's Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And behold, there was a man named, what's his name? Yeah, I say Zacchaeus, you know, tomato, tomato, brother Zach, amen, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was what? He was rich, okay. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press. All right, this is King James, so we're going to break it down. Because he was little of stature. Verse 4 says, And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, 
for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today. I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him. How? Joyfully. All right now. And when they saw fit, they all murmured. Y'all know who they is. Uh -huh, saying that he was gone to be with the guests or be the guest of a man that is a sinner. Verse 8 says, And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day, somebody say this day, this day is salvation come to this house for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And so the title for what I'm introducing as this new series is Lessons from a Tree. Lessons from a Tree. This is series part one, and lesson number one is this. Jesus is for everybody. Jesus is for everybody. Somebody say it with me. Jesus, Jesus. is for everybody. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Aren't you glad about that? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus is for everybody. Here we find the story of a man named Zacchaeus. His story is penned by the God-inspired hands of the gospel writer by the name of Luke. Y'all remember Dr. Luke? It's interesting because even though Luke is the third of what is known as a synoptic gospel, given that name because of their similarities. Unlike uh, the Gospel of John, which has content that is very distinct from the other three, we see an account here that is given in Luke and Luke only. It's given in Luke and it's not given in the Gospels of Matthew and Mark. And so I began to wonder why that might be. And in doing my study of the text and in doing my due diligence with regards to contextual consideration, which means to consider the context of the text and to read a little before and a little after and to get a whole picture of what's happening, WPBI, I found that the story leading up to this is found in all three of the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And that, you all, is the story of the blind beggar. Y'all know that story? Anybody know about Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus? And so I begin to think of Luke in comparison to the other writers and why he may have been inspired to be the one to include such a powerful story of Brother Zacchaeus. Well, if you know anything about Luke, Luke was a physician. Y'all hear me calling him Dr. Luke. I'm not just saying that. He literally was a doctor who wound up doing ministry with the Apostle Paul. 
scholars have taken note of Dr. Luke's command of the Greek language. He had a rich and extensive vocabulary. He had some status in society. Sister Quinta Brunson would say of Dr. Luke, he got money. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he got money. <laughs> and some others may say that Dr. Luke was of the upper echelon or that he was bourgeoisie. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Y'all know that word? Uh-huh. Dr. Luke talked about money. He talked about wealth. He talked about poverty a lot. He spoke of the marginalized, and he spoke to the rich. And Luke really seemed to have a heart for people to know that Jesus was for everybody. He came for the rich. He came for the poor. He came for the middle class. He came for the upper class. He came for the bad, and he came for the bougie. Uh-huh. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. He, he came for the doctor, and he came for the patient. He came for Zacchaeus, and he came for all of us in here today. Anybody glad about it? And Dr. Luke came to let us know that your degree of need in this world system is not indicative to your degree of need in God's system. Your degree of need in this world system does not have a direct correlation to your degree of need as far as the system of kingdom. Whether you stay stacked, Dr. Tiana, or you stay short, I won't call anybody's name after that, you need him. Somebody say you need him. Make that thing personal. Say, I need him. I need him. I need him. I need him. You need him. And a lot of Dr. Luke's mission seemed to be to let us know that no matter who you are and that no matter how much you have, you need him. We need him and we can have him. Like it, love it, got to have it. Amen. Somebody's taking a trip to Cold Stone on this Sunday. Amen. After you leave Cafe Manor, hallelujah. <laughs> and so the two books that he penned, he being Dr. Luke, this one is a self-titled album, Brother Caleb. A self-titled album, you guessed it, named Luke. And the other one, do y'all know the other one he wrote? The Book of Acts. Yes, indeed, the Book of Acts. We are able to glean from them, and they apply to the body of Christ, followers as a whole, but they were actually written, this is interesting, they were actually written to one man named Theophilus. Yeah, Deacon Early. Uh-huh, Theophilus. Now, uh, I had an uncle, Deacon Early's husband, named Theophilus, but I called him Uncle Early, Amen. And I could imagine that this brother, Theophilus, his friends probably called him Theo, you know. And so we don't know much about Brother Theo, but guess what we can conclude if we do our research? Sister Brunson, he got money. He got money. Let me prove it to you. Before we even get into the story for today, take a look at Luke 1.3. Let's look at Luke 1.3 in the King James Version as the writer, Dr. Luke, begins 
this, this, this book. He says here in verse 3, It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus. Most excellent. I know his first name wasn't most. It's not given most death. His middle name couldn't have been excellent. And his last name wasn't Theophilus. You all, this man had a title. This man had a handle. Amen? Uh-huh. It's giving blue check on IG vibes. This man has a following. This man has some status. This man is pulling up in a double wide camel eating grapes as he passes by the onlookers and dare I say the peasants. Theo, Theo got a job. Come on, somebody. Tommy might not have no job, but Theo, Theo got a job. Ladies, Theo got some benefits. Some of y'all wish had a Theo today. Amen. The title of most excellent in that day was only given to a man of high honor and a man of rank. And so Theophilus was more than likely a Roman official of that day. And Dr. Luke is saying that I need to let my colleagues know about Jesus. I need to introduce my colleagues to Christ. Luke is known as the evangelist to the wealthy. So in a country the United States of America, in a country where our version of struggling is a lot of other countries' version of succeeding, and our poverty is prosperity in a lot of other parts of the world, and our complaining is about cable and streaming, and there are those amazed that we have ATV at home, and flabbergasted at how we all have small computers that we carry around with us and that give us access to resources literally at our fingertips that some people have to walk miles and miles and sweat, sweat, even to attempt to gain access to. What if I told you that we are the rich and that we are the wealthy and that we have the treasures and we have some privilege, even if we don't realize it? It may not be white privilege, but we have some level of privilege living in this country. We are immune to some things that plague citizens elsewhere. And so don't discount the word because you don't consider yourself as highfalutin. Luke's gospel really, really applies to our Western culture, dare I say, spoiled selves. But I didn't come here to talk about you. I came here to talk about Zacchaeus. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Let's get back to Zach, Pastor. Amen. Okay, so, so Luke 19, 1 through 10. Hallelujah. I want to read that once more. It says, Jesus entered. Well, <laughs> now I'm going to read it more than once. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector, all right? He was the chief tax collector in the region, all right? And he had become very rich. Bishop Deacon Lorraine, he was high up in the IRS, amen? <laughs> he tried to get a look at Jesus, 
but he was too short to see over the crowd. Amen. He was vertically challenged. It's all right. Amen. It's okay. You know, on a scale of me and Deacon Mike to like Stephen and JB, he was me and Deacon Mike. Amen. Amen. Bless God. But that's okay. He ran ahead. And he climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be with the guest of a, this version says, notorious sinner. They grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. I have three questions for you today, and then I'm going to take my seat. Three things for you to ponder, three takeaways, if you will, from this story. And there are a lot of them, but we'll touch on three today. And the first question I have is, at what lengths am I willing to go to see Jesus? That's something I want you to ask yourself. That's something I want you to write down. Um, because we see here that this man of God, <laughs> he wasn't even a man of God at the time, this man, he went to great lengths to see Jesus. And so I want you to write down question number one, at what lengths am I willing to go to see Jesus? And FYI, I'm going to spend most of our time on this one. At what lengths am I willing to go to see Jesus? The truth is, in order for us to see Jesus, in some areas of our lives that we wish to see him in, some of us have to come up higher. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, some of us, bless you, have to come up higher. Oh, I, I know I might have lost some people already, but that's okay because I believe I still got who I still need. Amen? I'm going to say that again. In order for us to see Jesus in some areas of our lives that we wish to see him in, some of us have to come on up higher. Some of us need to find the nearest sycamore tree. And that may mean something different to all of us who it applies to, but we know exactly what it means. You say you want to see Jesus, but have you made any moves that line up with what you say you want to see? Are you saying you want to see Jesus, but you're over here on the curb as he passes by? Knowing you're short and you got nerve to sit down like you can see, see better. First of all, stand up. And then you'll realize that you need to do even more. And now it's time to go higher. See, his love will meet you where you are. But some of you want his hand in areas for which you've been hiding. But I come against the spirit of comfortability this morning. And I come against the spirit of lazy and slothful. I even come against uh, that old spirit of trifling and just stuck. We've got to come up a little higher. 
Amen. I'm not the pastor that's going to make you comfortable where you are when I know that God has more for you. Uh-uh, uh-uh. I'm going to challenge you. Let's, let's, me too, we're in this together. Let's see what happens when we go higher. Let's see if we can see differently than what we've been seeing. We've got to step outside of our norm. We've got to step outside of our comfort zones. If the woman who had the issue of blood, y'all know that woman? How long did she have it? 12 years. If that woman hadn't left her house, she wouldn't have received her healing. What if your healing is outside of your house? If Zacchaeus didn't climb the tree that day, he wouldn't have been free that day. What if your freedom includes some work? What limps are you going and what measures are you taking to see Jesus? Not just to know him, but to see him. Some of us won't fast to save our lives. It don't matter if I call it or if God call it himself. It don't matter if you ask for a sign and he send you five of them. You still ain't going to do it. And you're going to try to modify it. Huh? Y'all know how we do. Well, you know, since then I might, well, you know. No, I don't know. What did he say? That's the problem. You think you know. You don't know. What did he say? Some of us won't tithe no matter how much of an understanding we have of the biblical principle that it is. We just refuse. Some of us won't stop fornicating no matter how knowledgeable of the effects and trauma and turmoil that is put on our minds, bodies, souls, and spirits throughout the years, not to mention how it goes against the plan and desires and will of the God whom we serve. We, we refuse. And guess what? We're going to keep seeing what we've been seeing. Yeah. Yeah. If you refuse to come higher, no matter what that means for you, if you refute God's request for you to come higher, you can't possibly see differently from what you're already seeing. But I believe that there is a remnant in here, which is why God gave me this word for the house. I believe there's a remnant in here who really wants to see Jesus and do something they've never done to have something they've never had and to experience something they've never experienced in God. Huh? Glory to his name. I don't know about you, but I don't want to still have the same God experience that, I, that I've been having since 2013. Mm -mm, I want to go higher. I want to go higher. I used to, you know, how we, we build our faith muscle. And, and so one of the easiest ways is, you know, have, have faith for stuff like parking, parking spaces and stuff like that. But you shouldn't still only be having faith for parking spaces. <laughs> Amen? That was just to get you going. Let's go higher. 
Let's take a look at Matthew 5. How many of you know that when you go higher, <laughs> it's a direct correlation with going faster? And what if I told you that God wants to accelerate you in this season, but aircrafts don't travel on the ground? Matthew 5, let's look at the Beatitudes. Uh, well, this is where the Beatitudes are found, but we're going to look at one of them. Uh, verse number 8. Y'all know about the Beatitudes? Matthew 5, verse number 8, and it reads like this. It says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That's the King James. The Amplified puts it this way. Blessed, anticipating God's presence, spiritually mature, are the pure in heart. Those with integrity, moral courage, and godly character, for they will see God. Now notice it doesn't say blessed are the saved, for they shall see God. Mm -mm. Nope, it's not saying blessed are the Christian, for they shall see God. Nope, it's not, it's not saying blessed are they who come to church, for they shall see God. Not saying blessed are they who watch the live, for they shall see God. No, it's about spiritual maturity. This is about integrity, moral courage, and godly character. And this is why I'm always careful to tell you, Prophetess Cindy, don't settle at salvation. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're not in the business of just saving people. We're in the business of discipling people, transforming people, renewing and restoring people. We're not just okay with you confessing and believing and then deuces. No, no, no. No, no, no. No, no, no. No, no, When it was finished on the cross, Prophetess, it just got started with us, right? And so we can't get comfortable with confession alone. And we think, oh, we're safe. We, we didn't confess and believe. All right. We can go back to doing what we've always been doing. No. Mm -mm. It's time to go what, y'all? Higher. It's crazy because our faith, really, truly, if you think about it, our faith is one of the only areas that it seems that we've been tricked into staying comfortable in. Let's say that again. Our faith is one of the only areas that it seems we've been tricked into staying comfortable in. Because you surely got corporate goals. Let you not get that job promotion after a certain time. I done been here X amount of years. Huh? I need a new job. I hit a ceiling at this current place. I should be this by now, and I should be that by now. And here you are wanting to climb the corporate ladder. But what if I told you that there's a spiritual ladder that's worth climbing even the more? And notice, I'm not talking about titles and positions in the church. I'm talking about new territory and new postures regarding your faith. I wish we would get as upset about being on milk after 10 years of Christianity as we get about still being at the front desk after 10 years at a job. I wish we would get as indignant and as upset. 
Yeah, you might have started out in the government as a GS this and now you're a GS that, but what if I told you that the government shall be upon his shoulders? Y'all not praying with me. And Dr. Luke comes to remind us that our rank in the Roman court, the state, the local, the federal government, the military, the school, the organization, the board, or any of it means nothing if you're not experiencing elevation and maturation in Christ Jesus. So verse 8 says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It's the purification for me. That purification, that washing, that cleansing, that katharizo in the Greek, that purification, it's a process. It used to be an outer work, if you study it in Hebrew context, but now it's an inner work that Jesus Christ has equipped us for. It used to be an outer work, but now it's an inner work. But guess what? It's still a work. Are you ready to work? Or do you just want to keep on sitting on the sidelines, watching everybody else move? Not being able to see, but knowing, knowing. You, you don't know exactly what's passing you by, but you know that Jesus is passing you by. So whatever Jesus has for you is also passing you by. You'll never know the experience you could have had if you would have went higher. Are you ready to work? What happens if you have to pull a Zacchaeus and you have to climb? Sister Cyrus taught us and warned us in 09 that it's a climb. Huh? What happens if you can't Instacart it? <laughs> what happens if you actually have to go get it? <laughs> what happens if it's a climb? What happens if it's outside of your zone of comfort? What happens if it's never been done before? in your family, in your generation? What happens if it means you getting up earlier? What happens if it means praying longer? What happens if it means going deeper? What happens if it means reaching higher? What happens if it means forgiving faster? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You was doing all right there, Pastor Joe. Now you tripping a little bit, sir. For, 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 forgive it faster. Somebody shout, forgiving faster. <laughs> Just shout it to you, believe it or something. Forgiving faster. What if it means starting your healing journey sooner? So you won't be bleeding on people who God has called you to serve. What lengths are you willing to go to really see Jesus. The message puts Matthew 5, 8 this way. Let's take a look at that. Matthew 5, 8 in the message paraphrase. It says this. It says, you're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. Woo! Somebody need to write that down. Somebody needs to, listen, screenshot that and put it as your, your screensaver. Somebody needs to put it on a post-it note 
in the mirror. Somebody, everybody needs to tattoo it on their hearts. You're blessed. Y'all want to be blessed, right? You're blessed when you get your inside. Because so many of us are so concerned and consumed about our outside worlds. And we think if we can fix this, and if we can fix that, and if we can fix him, and if we can fix her, then everything will be put right. If I can put them right, if I can set them straight, then I'll be fine. If I can fix this, if I can live there, if I can meet them, everything would be all right. But the scripture says, no, 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 no. No, you're, you're looking at the outside world, but what's on the outside is determined by your inside. So let's focus on getting your inside world right. Your mind right. Your heart right. Then you can see God in the outside world. If you don't get anything else from this message, get that. <laughs> get that. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Second question, number two, and these are going to be real quick. What is your perspective of the crowd? What? is your perspective of the crowd. How many of you know there's always going to be a crowd? <laughs> and there's always going to be a crowd. But you going higher has nothing to do with the crowd. But it has everything to do with your perspective of the crowd. Zacchaeus, in, in this scripture, he faces a crowd. There's something in between him and Jesus, and that is the crowd. If you are a Bible reader, you aren't a stranger to the crowds. We already mentioned the woman with the issue of blood. She pressed her way through what? The crowd. <laughs> she went to such great lengths that she even broke the law to get to Jesus, but standing in between her and Jesus was a large crowd. There were crowds of people on the scene of many of the Bible descriptions of Jesus traveling and doing ministry and performing healings and going to and fro. A crowd was at the scene when he fed the 5,000. There are so many gospel accounts that start with, and large crowds followed him. Or now when Jesus saw a crowd around him. So there was always a crowd. This shows me something. This shows me that there will always be people in the route and in the way of me seeing Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There will always be people. And I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about you. You need to write down me because me means you. There will always be people in the route and in the way of me seeing Jesus. But you've got to determine what is my perspective of the crowd. Because the crowd is going to be doing a few things. The one thing the crowd is going to be doing, they're going to be talking. Yeah, somebody said too much. <laughs> too much, Sister Shamika. They're going to be talking too much. So am I going to allow 
what the crowd is saying to stop me from what I should be seeing? Am I going to allow what the crowd is saying to stop me from what I should be seeing? Because the crowd always is going to have something to say. We've got to determine our perspective of the crowd. If you allow for humans to stop you from going to church, who you, who, who you serve now? Come again? Come again? What you there for? Oh, oh, you, you wanted a social club. Oh, it's one up the street. Let me give you some resources. You wanted a, a, oh, oh, you don't have no friend. Okay, oh, okay. But for those of us who come to see Jesus, for those of us who come to get an impartation, for those of us who come to stay plugged in with regards to revelation, and for those who come in obedience to not forsaking the assembly, we're going to see what God has for us to see no matter who's in the crowd. I can only hope that you get yours, but beloved, I'm going to get mine. And so we've got to watch out for our perspective. The same way that you can overlook some stuff for that paycheck is the same way that you need to be able to overlook some stuff because Jesus has something in his hand for you. And it's more valuable than any pay stub. Come on, somebody. The benefits that he has is more valuable than any benefit package that's on that job with the people that you don't like. But you show up every day because you want what that job has. And I wish I had a body of believers who wanted what Jesus has and who would not be beset by the crowd. There will always be a crowd. But we've got to watch our perspective. Because some of us, they didn't even have to say anything. We just would have said, Whoo, look at look at them, look at that crowd. I must I must not go see Jesus today. I try again tomorrow. Ain't he always in town? Then y'all say he be coming through on the regular. I'll get him next Sunday. But what if this Sunday? It's the day that God scheduled to meet you in a way that he's never met you pre-pandemic. Huh? What if this Sunday was the day that he had something special for you, but you put it off? I ain't going on Easter because of the crowd. <laughs> Somebody literally shared something similar to that. Wow, some crowd. For the crowd to be able to stop me from being in the presence of the Christ, that's some crowd. But it really trips me out because we were leaving a restaurant uh, last month and we saw a humongous crowd. Went to ask who was in town. They told us, and I love her, Jasmine Sullivan. 
And we asked when the concert was, y'all. They were in line and in the crowd like hours before the concert started. Perspective. Perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes we do God so wrong. And to quote Sister Sullivan, round and round. We do him so wrong and he keep holding us down. If you don't know it, that's all right. Just trust us. And so we've got to make sure we have the proper perspective of the crowd, just like that crowd wasn't stopping them from getting what Jasmine had for them. Woo! Don't you let no crowd stop you from getting what Jesus has for you. Amen? Guess what? They didn't care who was in the crowd. They didn't care if they stood in line beside somebody they don't like or somebody that used to talk smack about them in high school or somebody. They didn't care. They here to see Jasmine. They didn't examine the crowd before going in. Because they ain't here for them. God bless you. I hope you enjoy. I'm here for Jasmine. What if our mentality is I'm here for Jesus? Huh? I'm here for Jesus. Make sure you have the proper perspective of the crowd. If I did what I do because of the crowd, I would quit. And then I might come back and then I quit again because the crowd be crowded. Even y'all, I love you. But I don't I do it for the crowd, but I don't do it for the crowd. You get me? Do it for the vine. Brother Dixon, I ain't going to do it. I called his name because he liked, he liked that. I remember years ago. My third question today is this, and I'm closing here. Do you know that Jesus is for you? Do you know that Jesus is for you? If we look back at scripture, let me give you a little historical context here that Zacchaeus was not a believer. Zacchaeus was not a good man. He got rich because of scheming and stealing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got rich because he's supposed to be the chief tax collector, but he was collecting some stuff for himself. Huh? That's it. That old publican. Not a republican, but a publican. <laughs> I'm going to stop there. And so, this man, you all, he had interest in Jesus. I'm sure he heard about him. I'm sure that he wanted to, you know, to see what he looked like, but obviously, he knew who Jesus was, and so it said that he ran ahead. He climbed a tree. First of all, he probably had a good suit on. Oh, I'm talking about a nice tailor suit. 
He probably had his briefcase and he probably had a few other things that he had to lay aside in order to go higher. Some things that he identified with that he had to take off in his quest to see something he's never seen. And so he, he ran and he climbed that sycamore tree because he knew that he could see Jesus. Now this is what tripped me out. Verse 5 trips me out. Because it says that Jesus came by and he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said. Zacchaeus, guess what? He didn't have no relationship with this man. He, 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 Zacchaeus wasn't his, his tax preparer. Dr. T. He didn't, he didn't go to Zacchaeus Inc. But I'm here to tell you that God knows your name. That he knew you even before you knew him. That he knew you even before you made a decision to make a move to get to know. He knows your name and he's just waiting on you to come higher. He said, Zacchaeus, I've been waiting on you. I've been waiting on you to wake up and smell the coffee. I've been waiting on you to get away from the rituals and to get away from the routine that you're. I've been waiting for you to want me like I've wanted you all along. And I'm here to tell you today that if he knew Zacchaeus's name, he knows your name, Eric. He knows your name, Sarah. He knows your name, Carla. He knows your name, Caitlin. He knows your name. And the moment you decide to go higher, he'll say, Renee, <laughs> I've been waiting on you. If you decide to climb the tree, it won't be for not. He'll meet you there. He won't embarrass you he won't leave you literally hanging but he'll meet you at the place of higher i'm here to tell you because some of you are scared you say pastor i want to go higher but i've been let down time after time yeah but you've been let down man after man but we're not dealing with man i don't care who left you hanging i don't care who left you your father might have left you. Your husband might have left you. Your grandmama might. I don't care who left you. Jesus has a promise. Didn't we say that he's a promise keeper? He has made a promise that, listen, I, 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 I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. I won't embarrass you. I won't leave you hanging to dry. I I'm going to meet you. And it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. He met Zacchaeus and he was a crook. So you might not be perfect, but you're a Christian. So don't you think that if you decide to go higher, that he'll meet you too? And so when I don't feel like going higher now, I'm going to imagine whatever it is that I know I need to do to go higher. I'm going to imagine Jesus saying, Joseph, 
have been waiting for you. I'm a gentleman, so I, I won't force you, but I'm so glad that you decided to meet me here. Jesus. Today, Jesus is issuing a RSVP to meet you at the place of hire. Have you ever had somebody, you invited them, and they claimed to accept your invitation, but they didn't show? Don't be a no-show on Jesus. You've been saying for years that you want more. You've been saying for years that you want to go deeper. You've been saying for years that you want to go higher. And so Jesus has been waiting ever since. But here's the thing about Jesus. When you do, after this sermon, decide to show up, he ain't going to have no attitude. He ain't going to stick his nose up at you. He ain't going to belittle you. He's not going to call you by any names other than your name. And the scripture says, oh, Jesus, that Zacchaeus, he was excited. He quickly climbed down. He took Jesus to his house in excitement and joy. And guess what? Jesus also had excitement. And Jesus also had joy. If Jesus had an attitude with Zacchaeus, then that would have crushed him. He wouldn't have been excited. So the fact that he was excited and had joy lets us know the type of energy that Jesus was on. And so... Of course, the people were displeased and all of that. Verse 8 says, meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord. And watch this. This is transformation. This is repentance. He was a thief. He was a crook. But he encountered Jesus. And not only did he encounter him, but the Messiah wants to come to my house. You do know who I am, right? You call me by name. You don't have me confused with nobody else. You do know what I do, right? And Jesus says, I know exactly what you do. And I know what you do before you do it. Let me in your house. Jesus. I know the stuff that people don't even know about you. And I still want to come in your house. And so the love of God, the warmth, the invitation of God is beginning to transform Zacchaeus instantly. There's been some stuff that you've been struggling with on the ground that if you come higher, it'll happen instantly. Oh. Hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. And so immediately this crook start saying and meaning that I will give half my wealth to the poor. Lord, if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. And so Jesus responded. He says, salvation has come to this home today. Whew. All you got to do is repent. All you got to do is turn and mean it. Turn, not just I don't mean doing about face. That means turning your heart. 
and mean it. He says, salvation has come to this house today for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. What does that mean? That means that he did nothing to receive or to uh, uh, have salvation be unto him according to his own works. That's what that means. That means that you are a true son of Abraham. By faith, it was imputed to Abraham as righteousness. So this means, Zacchaeus, you're a son of Abraham because you too have done nothing for me. And here I am ready to do everything for you. All you've done is you've come higher. You've exhibited uh, faith and, and you've shown me that you believe that I have something for you. And because of that, you're a true son of Abraham. And you're just as righteous this day. Salvation has come. And you're just as righteous as any other. For the Son of Man came not to chill and fellowship with the saved. <laughs> the Son of Man came not to just hang out in the sanctified crowds. But the scripture closes this way. The Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. And so you may find yourself lost today. You might not be lost in terms of salvation, but you may be lost in terms of your journey. Jesus is saying, I come to seek and save those who are lost. And just like I saved you, from day one, some of you have got into some stuff where you need me to save you in a new way. I'll do it. Come higher. Especially you. You know me. You know what I can do. You've seen me do it in the lives of others. You've seen me do stuff even in your life. Come higher. And I say to you today, let Jesus in your house. Guess what? Zacchaeus was a busy man. He probably had paperwork and everything everywhere. He may have even had some evidence of his sin laying around the house. But Jesus didn't say, go clean your house so I can come in. No, Jesus says, just let me in. Because whatever you try to clean up, clean up, I already know about. And so some of you... You're not letting Jesus in your house because you feel like it's a mess. And you feel like there are things in your house to be shamed of. But don't you know that Jesus is the only one who can help you clean it up and keep it clean? To clean it up and keep it that way? You don't hide junk and dirt from the maid. And I'm not calling Jesus a maid, but he will come and clean some stuff up. And this is something that the Lord told me to tell you. Let Jesus in your house because some stuff won't leave until Jesus stays. Now watch, watch the wording here. Watch the vernacular. Watch the word choice. 
Some stuff won't leave until Jesus stays, not until Jesus visits. Because we got some stuff that just hides when Jesus comes. And then it comes right back out once Jesus leaves. But we have to give Jesus an open invitation that, Jesus, I'm not just inviting you over for dinner. I'm not just welcoming you in because I'm about to go to church. But I'm giving you an open invitation that you might stay here. And if Jesus is staying here, some stuff has to leave. And so there's some stuff that some of you want to leave. It ain't going nowhere unless Jesus stays. It's not scared of you. It's only scared of Jesus. And so some of you think you're big and bad and you can do it because you're there. And they're laughing at you. But they would be running from Jesus. So let Jesus in your house and let him stay there. Another thing, let's learn this lesson from Brother Zacchaeus. He did not allow his height to affect his reach. I said he did not allow for his height to affect his reach. And so eliminate excuses in this season. Eliminate excuses and assess accelerators. What this means is don't spend all your time lamenting about how short you are or where you fall short that you miss out on the sycamore tree right beside you that will not only make up for it, but more than make up for it. God wants to accelerate you in this season, but you got to set your sight on the sycamores that he's given to you. Don't let setting your sights on excuses blind you from your sycamores or blind you from your accelerators. For some of you, your accelerator might be some people he's blessed you with. For some of you, your accelerator might be some opportunities. For some of you, your accelerator is going to be some of those principles I gave you. For some of you, those accelerators are going to be different things, but there's always in the presence of an accelerator going to be an excuse. But you have to choose which one are you going to gravitate to the excuse or are you going to gravitate to the accelerator anybody want to go higher anybody want to go higher y'all let's climb let's reach let's go and let's grow hallelujah come on give god a hand clap of praise hallelujah God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your word. Lessons from a tree. And this lesson is that Jesus is for everybody. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise.